If this week has taught us anything about the culture in which we uh, live and exist in America, it's that there are people who are banking their hopes on things that will never deliver, ever deliver. Regardless of how the election turned out, it's not going to deliver the kind of hope that you hope that it's going to deliver. And we live in a culture that is banking our future on things that will just eventually let us down. And people living in the despair of that letdown and that disappointment, they need hope. They don't need a new politician. They don't even need a new ideology. They need a relationship with God that gives them life on the inside. And it's our mission as a church. It is our glorious, cheerfully courageous mission as a church to take the good news for those who are far from God and share with them how that they can have life in Jesus Christ. And so uh, we need you to be a part of that. And I'm excited about how God is going to use you and this church in the days ahead. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 88. Psalm 88. Uh, Psalm 88 uh, is uh, a, a, a picture of drama in real life. The, not just the drama of uh, the pop music that makes you feel good, the bubble pop music that makes you uh, sing and dance, but it's also the soulful blues of life. Uh, filled with the angst and the anxiety and the anguish of life. Psalm 88 uh, is the struggle we have when we face the ravages of physical illness. It's the anguish we experience when friends forget us. Uh, it's the fear that we face, wrapped uh, fear wrapped in hopelessness uh, when life's darknesses overwhelm us. All said, this psalm is a picture of living in a cell of overwhelming despair, whatever the situation is that makes up the bricks, mortar, and bars of that cell. This psalm is about real life. It's not a nice poetic prayer that we find in other places in the psalms. No, this is the ravings of a person who's driven almost mad by the problems that they're facing. And it's a prayer that you and I need to hear today. Not only hear, but we need to embrace because it's a prayer from the pit. We all understand that picture of the pit. We all understand the anguish and anxiety of, of, of real life drama. And when we face that, the drama of real life and we find ourselves in perpetual, perennial, annual, seasonal depression, when we face circumstances that uh, lead us to curl up in the shadows and hide, when we face the circumstances of life that greet us each morning with a kiss of doom and gloom, as we face real life and the drama of real life, how do we navigate it? If you were to Google uh, how to deal with depression or how to deal with depressing circumstances, how do we navigate through that? Google would give you some good answers. They, they would also give you some bad answers, but there are some good answers that Google gives. You Google it and Google might say to you, well, you need to, you need to exercise. Go take a walk. That's good advice. When you're in the pits, it's good to go for a hike. Or it might tell you, you just, you need to rest a little bit more. You need to get a little bit more sleep. And, and, and I'm all up for that. 
If I can get a little bit more sleep, I'm happy about that. It, 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 it may say you need to go talk to a counselor. And, and friends, can I tell you, everyone within the sound of my voice needs to talk to a counselor. A professional counselor. You might say, oh, I don't need that. <laughs> yes, you do. I, I need to talk to a professional counselor. My wife and I go together to talk to professional counselors. Our children talk to professional. We need it. We need somebody to help us navigate. And so Google might say that, that you need to talk to professional counselors. That's good advice. Some, and Google might say to some of us, we need to get on medication. And can I tell you? I can tell when some of you are off your medication. <laughs> I say that in a joking way, but it's real. Look, God has given us this wonderful gift of medication that can help. Google gives you all kinds of good advice. I, I, being a pastor, I sometimes think um, that I know better than Google. Many times I do. So uh, if, if, I, if I'm looking for how to deal with the stressors of my life, if I'm living in the deep, dark pit of depression, oh, my goodness, ain't nothing better than bubble wrap. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. If, if I'm in the pit, I'm going to sit down at the bottom of that pit, and I'm just going to pop some bubbles. I'm going to sit there. I mean, there is something powerful about just sitting there and popping these bubbles, making yourself feel good, just popping them, popping them, popping them. Pop. Five dollars for this whole sheet. How can you beat it? I mean, oh, oh, yes. I mean, I'm living in the pit. I don't know what to do. I'm going to pop me some bubbles. It makes you feel good. It's good for you. It lasts as long as the roll lasts. Y'all want to pop it, don't you? You can't. This is mine. $5. $5. Oh, that's a steal. Um, anyway, uh, bubble wrap is great. The only problem with bubble wrap is it only lasts for a few moments. And I can sit at the bottom of a pit and I can pop as much bubble wrap as I want to, but it only gives relief for a moment. Today, what's better than bubble wrap? What's better than, than being with a counselor? What's more nourishing than medication? What's more powerful then exercise or a little extra sleep is to cry out to God who delivers. And that is the message of Psalm 88. When we're standing on the edge of insanity because of our despair, we must cry out to God who delivers. The challenge for us is that Sometimes we forget to cry out to God. The challenge for us is that sometimes we're so wrapped up in our own personal struggle that 
we forget that God is the one who delivers. See, Psalm 88 is what's known as a lament, and it's an individual lament. Now, now this is different. Psalm 88 is different in a couple of ways. Uh, But the most poignant way is that Psalm 88 begins and ends in the doom and gloom of life. In fact, Psalm 88, um, it, it, it starts out with a declaration, and then beginning in verse 3 all the way to verse 18, there seems to be no note of hope. And that's what makes it different. See, every other psalm that, 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 that expresses lament before God, every other psalm uh, that, that, that talks about the struggles and the troubles, it'll, it'll say, okay, so God, I praise you. And then, and then uh, it would say, all right, here's my problem. Here's, here are the bricks and the mortar and the bars of the cell in which I am struggling. And, 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 and God, here are the, uh, here, here's the, uh, here's the, the quarantine of the sorrow in which I'm imprisoned. And let me describe it for you. And so the psalmist will begin and he'll say, here's my problem and here's my problem and here's my problem and here's my problem. But in every other psalm, there is this turnaround. This, oh, but God does wondrous works for me. Oh, but God delivers me. Oh, but God, he loves me. Oh, but God moves with faithful love toward me. Oh, but God has conquered the heavens and the, and, and the deepest places of the earth and he will deliver me. In every other psalm that begins describing troubles, there's this great turnaround. But God, but God, but God delivers me. But in Psalm 88, that turnaround is not as apparent it, 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 well, just listen to it. And, and just listen. I don't I get out of the, the uh, oh, this is, this is scripture language. You know, get out of that thought process and just listen to a guy who's hurting. This is a letter. Just listen to a guy that, that's hurting. Psalm 88. Oh, Lord, God of my salvation, I've cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is overflowing with troubles. My life draws near to the grave. I'm counted with those who go down to the pit. I'm like a man who has no strength. I'm adrift among the dead, like the slain people who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more and who are cut off from your hand. God, you have laid me in the lowest pit. You have put me in the darkness. You have put me in the depths. Your, your wrath lies heavy upon me. And, and you've afflicted me with all your waves. You have put uh, away my qu- acquaintances far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up and I cannot get out. My eyes dim because of affliction. Lord, I've called daily upon you. I've stretched out my hands to you. Will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But to you I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I've been afflicted. And ready to die since I was a young person. I suffer your terrors. And I am helplessly distraught. 
Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They came around me all day long like water. They engulfed me all together. Loved one and friend you have put far from me. And my acquaintances you've put into the darkness. No turnaround. At least none that we can see. The psalmist isn't, he's not writing this, this neat little prayer to be read uh, and everybody impressed with his, uh, his flowing language and, and nice poetic uh, verbiage. This is a guy gone crazy with pain and sorrow and grief. And he is crying out to the Lord. My prayer for us today, my hope, is that you and I might join our hearts with the psalmist and cry out to the God who delivers. For he alone can help. First thing we see in the text is that that we need to pray with faith to the God who rescues See, we need to pray with faith. And, and I want you to get the picture here. Verses 1 and 2, the psalmist says, uh, To you, O Lord, I cry day and night. I've cried out to you uh, uh, continually. I, I'm asking you to incline your ear to me. I'm asking you to, to listen uh, to, to my prayer. And the psalmist is saying, God, I've been persistent in doing this. God, I, I'm waking up and I'm talking to you because you are the God who is my salvation. Now, the amazing thing is that even in the darkest pit for this psalmist, after days and months and weeks and years and perhaps even decades of living in the pit, this psalmist still had hope and the belief that God could rescue. I want you to just get that. I want want that to ruminate in your soul. See, we are such fast food followers of Jesus. That we want a quick fix on problems that we face today. This psalmist had been going through his own personal hell since he was a young person. And where he could have given up hope, he didn't. He still woke up and lifted his cry to the Lord. He still woke up and he said, God, you're my only hope. That's a great lesson for us today. It's a great lesson for us today because we may be living in that that realm where we think, oh my goodness, it's so dark. The dungeon in which I'm living is so, so dark. The walls are so thick. The bars are so strong. There's no escape. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to remember that, that, that we serve and belong to the God who rescues. He's the one who sent Jesus to break the chains of sin, death, hell, and the grave. He is the one who sent Jesus to rescue us from, from, the, from the plight that our sin demanded and a, a judgment that we could not escape. We were helpless then as we we're helpless in the pit. But God sent Jesus down to the pit for us to rescue us so that we might live in friendship and fellowship with God. Do you not get the picture there? The God who rescues 
us from hell is the God who is rescuing us here and now, even in the pit. But we've got to believe it. We've got to believe it. And by the way, you've got to talk to God about it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, I'm thankful, I'm grateful for a wife who tells me exactly what I need to hear. I mean, if I'm going through my own pit, she's going to speak truth into my life. I'm thankful, or I'm getting more thankful. I have four daughters that have grown up right in front of my eyes. And so just like my wife tells me what I need to hear, my four daughters will tell me what I need to hear. It's a little harder to take it from them right now, but I'll grow into that. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a dad and three brothers. They're not impressed with me, not one bit. And they'll tell me exactly what I need to hear. I'm, I, I'm going through the pit. Man, I want to talk to my family. I'm thankful for close friends that I can call and talk to about my own pit moments. And talk to them and, 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 and they can tell me what I need to hear. Not necessarily what I want to hear, but what I need to hear. I'm thankful for those friends. I'm thankful for counselors. Professionals who, uh, who have, have, understand the map of my psyche, but understand the map of God's Word even more. And they help me navigate through my own pit experiences. And as beneficial as my wife and my children and my family, as beneficial as my friends, as beneficial as counselors may be, none of them match the power that I can receive when I talk to God who delivers See, the psalmist said, I'm crying out day and night. I wake up in the morning, I'm bringing my cry to you. Throughout the day, every day, I'm talking to the Lord about my troubles. Why? Because he understood that there was only one place that he was going to find the help and the hope that he needed. And that was with God. Today, it's okay to Google or talk to Siri it's, it's okay. It's okay to talk to family and friends, and I recommend it. It's okay to talk to a counselor, and I, I suggest it. But the one thing you must never do is stop talking to God and crying out to Him. To cry out. He, you're asking God, God, listen, listen, listen to me. Don't, don't stop listening. God, please. You're my only hope. See, I, I think part of our problem is we, we like to talk to ourselves about our problems and our pit, and we get to the place where we like to decorate our pit a little bit. We feel so comfortable. We get so accustomed to the pain and the sorrow and the grief that, that our misery becomes our company, becomes our friend and our ally. And we lose hope, not because of what God has done, but because we haven't talked to him. Today, I just want to encourage you to pray with faith. You've got to believe that the God who, who rescued you from hell's embrace is the God who is in the business of rescuing you today. Pray with faith. The second thing we see in the passage, and, and really the bulk of the psalm, is we need to get raw and real with God. 
who loves us. See, I, I, think, I think sometimes we think it uh, in, in, uh, kind of a, uh, irrever- irreverent to talk to God the way the psalmist was talking to God. The psalmist was saying, God, I'm, I'm in hell. And I need for you to help. God, why, why are you turning your face from me? God, why aren't you paying attention to me? God, why aren't you listening to me? God, don't you see me anymore? Here I am. Help. Guys, when you're in the pit, why would you fold your hands and recite a prayer that you don't even believe? Now I lay me down to sleep. Look, you need a bigger prayer than now I'll lay me down to sleep. Why would you read somebody else's prayer? This is your journey. This is your heartache. This is your pain. You need to talk to God about what's going on in you, in your life. And it's not irreverent. It's no more irreverent for us to talk raw and real with God and even, even talk about the injustices and, and the lack of fairness that we feel. It, it, that's not irreverent. When my daughters come to me and, and they want to they express their hurt and express their heart and, and tell me about how they're hurting and, and how they're, they're, they feel alone or abandoned and how they feel like I haven't been paying attention, guys, that's not irreverent. I want to hear that. I'm ready to give them a shoulder. I'm ready to give them a, 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 a hug. I'm, I'm ready to help any way I can. That's what God is waiting for you to do. And not just once in a while, but every day. But you got to get raw and real. The psalmist, don't have time to go through all of it, but the psalmist said, I'm swallowed up in troubles. He said, he said, I'm living life like a dead man, adrift among the dead. I'm hanging on the edge of death. I'm, I'm living in the hopelessness that loneliness brings. I'm here all alone at the bottom of the pit, and nobody's with me. My friends have forgotten me. Guys, it's time for you to get raw and real about your pit and stop pretending like you've got it you don't you don't you're just popping the bubbles you're you're not handling it you're not solving it you need to cry out to the God who rescues and you need to get raw and real with the God who loves you. Look, if you feel like your friends have forgotten you, tell God about it. If you feel like you're living like a dead man, like living in the, uh, like a, the walking dead, you, you need to tell God about it. If you, if you feel like you've been in the pit too long and you don't understand why God doesn't let you loose, then you need to tell God about it. You need to get raw and real with God. When we are quarantined in the chaos of our own sorrow, we need to talk to God about the nature of our pain. Are you talking to him? 
Are you, are you describing it? And you'll talk to a thousand people on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat stories and everything else. And you'll tell people about your struggles and your pain and your problems, but you're not talking to God. How in the world do you expect to have a turnaround until you start getting raw and real with God? And there are Many of our students will know exactly what I'm talking about. You spend a lot of your time subtweeting what's really going on. You'll say some offhand remark that doesn't really get to the picture. You're, you're just subtweeting. You're trying to blame God, but you're not going to do it out loud because somehow you think that you shouldn't. I'm telling you right now, you need to direct message God right now and tell him what is hurting your heart. Y'all, that was really good. If you didn't understand anything I just said, you got to know that was really, really good. The psalmist, the psalmist, I mean, verse 18, he says, he says, loved ones and friends, you have, you, you have, you, you have pushed them far away from me. I'm all alone. God, help. Now, Part of the challenge here is that, that the, the turnaround isn't always apparent. Now, the hope is in verse 1 and 2. He, he believed that God could help. That's why he was crying out to God. In fact, he believed that God was his only hope. But as he asks some questions, you look at verses 10 through 12, he, he asks some questions, and, 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 and just go through them. Verse 10, he says, he says, will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? And his answer is no. God doesn't work wonders among the dead. The dead don't arise and praise him. From his perspective, dead was it. Verse 11, shall your loving kindness be declared uh, in the grave or your faithfulness in place of destruction? Shall wonders be known in the darkness and, and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? And the truth is, from the psalmist's perspective, the answer is no. He was saying, God, if I'm dead, that's it. There's nothing, there's nothing left. I'm, I'm in the pit. I'm on the edge of insanity because of my despair. God, I, 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 you got to do something because I don't see any hope. Well, for followers of Jesus, we have a different perspective. And here's where the note of hope begins to ring loudly in our ears. For the psalmist, the darkness was all there was. For the psalmist, there, there wasn't anything more than, than the deep darkness in which he found himself. He, he, he was in the pit, and, and in the middle of the pit, he, he couldn't see a way out. There, the, the hope was that God would intervene, but he didn't see God intervening. And, and so he was in the pit, and, and he was lost, and, and he was alone, and he needed help, but God didn't seem to be helping, and, and so that was it. But for followers of Jesus, we know that as dark as dark can be, that the darkness couldn't conquer the light that God sent into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, we know, we know that, that as dark as death may be, Jesus Christ came to split death 
uh, and hell and the grave wide open. We know that as painful and as sorrowful as the pit of Friday may be, Sunday is on its way and the morning will burst forth in a glorious hope that God has given us as followers of Jesus. You see, you and I, we don't live with death and darkness as the dominating forces any longer. No, we live with a theme that is beyond the power of the grave and the power of the death and the power of sin. We live in a resurrection kind of life. We live with a Sunday morning perspective. We live knowing that Jesus has already pierced the darkness of, of, of death and pierced the darkness of hell and beaten back the, the roaring lion who is the devil and beaten him down. And we have hope because Jesus has been raised from the dead and we live in every moment in our own resurrection. You may be living through a Friday season in the pit, but we pray with a resurrection hope that's alive today. Today, we need to understand that Jesus has already gone to the depths, and he has already brought back the captivity. Jesus has already uh, uh, given us the victory. And even though we're living in a pit moment right now, victory belongs to us because we are the children of the resurrection. Friday is dark. But as the psalmist said, even the psalmist could see it. He said, I cry out every day to you, O Lord, in verse 13. And my prayer comes to you in the morning. It's in the morning time. Through the resurrection of Jesus, we see that the morning light has dawned. Through the resurrection of Jesus, we begin to understand that as dark as it may be, that the light of the resurrection informs the darkness that it will not win. We're living in the pit, but we are people of hope because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But here's the question. Are you living more like death and darkness is the theme? Are you living like life and the resurrection and hope is the theme? Uh, we have something that this psalmist never had. We have Jesus. We have a resurrection. So we need to cling to this, this faithful love of God that, that has sent us Jesus to die for our sin upon a cross, to be killed and buried, but to kill death itself and to be raised from the dead on Sunday. We need, we need to cling to this faithful love that reaches even into the depths of death itself. The other picture that I would say is that, that, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead gives us a living hope. That's 1 Peter 1 that I read earlier. It gives us a, a living hope that, that we can have victory even if for now we are going through these testing trials of the pit. So I'm living in the bottom of the pit and I'm going to live not... not, not not with fear wrapped in hopelessness, but rather I'm going to live in faith that God who sent Jesus to rescue me from death itself is the one who's resurrecting me right now. And I might not see it. I might not understand how it's going to all work out, but I'm going to believe it. I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to tell him my problems, but I'm going to believe and cling to his faithful love. That's one thing. The second thing I'd say is, is you need to understand the pattern of how God does things, especially for us as followers of Jesus. 
So we're sitting in the pit and, and we're looking for that, for that hope, that, that bright ray of resurrection hope to pierce our souls and to warm our hearts. And, and, and it comes as we talk to God and as we talk to him about our struggles and our fears and our pain and our heartache. We, we're talking to him and, and he says, okay, Eric, understand, I'm bringing the victory. The victory is on its way. Sunday is coming. The resurrection is coming. You're going to get out of that pit and I can rejoice in that. But in the meantime, while I'm waiting... While I'm waiting those days and those weeks, even those months, maybe even a couple of years, I'm still in the pit. You know, I say, well, what's the justice in that? How is God being faithful in that? You've got to see how God operates. See, as followers of Jesus, he didn't just say, okay, Eric, you're down in the pit. I'm so sorry, Eric. That's so bad. Even if it's a pit that I dug for myself in my own sin. God doesn't stand up at the edge of the pit and say, Oh, look what you got yourself into, Eric. That's so bad. It hurts a little bit, doesn't it, Eric? Oh, yeah, that's bad. What has God done? God never stood on the edge of the eternity And said, just work it out yourself. You know what God did? God stood on the edge of eternity. He saw us in our sin, in the pit of our own making. And he said, hey, Jesus, join them. And Jesus came to the pit that we had made. And he gave us life and forgiveness. And he lifted us up out of the pit, and he put our feet on solid ground and gave us relationship and friendship with God. But even as followers of Jesus, we're, we're, we find ourselves in the pit and we're filled with depression or anxiety or fear and, 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 and we're children of God and we, we've been rescued from sin's embrace and we've been brought up out of that pit of hell itself. And, but, but today we're, we're living in this pit and, and, and God is looking at us. Does God just uh, go back to a pattern that he has not followed? Does he stand on the edge and say, oh, that must hurt. Oh, that's so bad. No, the good news is that he didn't leave us orphans. Jesus didn't die and then leave us alone. He sent us his comforter, the Holy Spirit of God, to take up residence in us, to empower us, to give us the nourishment we need to live. And so the Spirit of God jumps down in the pit with us. And the Bible says as we draw near to God, he draws near to us. The Bible says that that when we submit ourselves to God, that he, 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 he takes hold of us and he clings to us. And when we humble ourselves before God, he exalts us and he lifts us up. And and, and when we cast all our cares upon God, he cares for us in return. The Spirit of God nourishes our soul, comforts us, even while we're living in our own pit moment. We are not alone. We are not alone. We live in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ who poured his spirit within us so that we can live each moment nourished by the presence of God and the power of God, even in the pit. So will you start crying out to the God who delivers? It can't just be an every now and then kind of prayer. Beside my computer, in one of my rooms, office office, 
I've got a little moleskin notebook, and, and, and throughout the day, every day, I open it, I just, I just pray, and I write down my prayer. Can I ask you, if, if someone were to read your prayers, if you were to journal them, someone were to read your prayers, would they read a poetic masterpiece, or would, would they read the writings of a madman? The kind of prayer that we're talking about today should read more like the writings of a madman. Filled with emotion, filled with hurt, filled with sorrow. But as we're raw and real with God, make no mistake, he gets, he gets up close to us. And he gives us the strength we need. He gives us the comfort we need. He gives us the hope we need to move forward in faith. I invite you to bow your heads with me right now, and uh, time is gone, and, and we're not going to sing any songs, <clears throat> um, but I did, I did want us to just kind of stop here and, and take a moment to pray, and, and if you would, just lift your hearts before the, before the Lord and, and ask Him and invite Him to speak to you through His Word. What is it that God wants to share with you this morning, and what has He shown you about yourself? Some of you need to cry out with urgency, with, 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 with such um, honesty that it might even make you uncomfortable, but that's exactly what you need to do this morning. Will you talk honestly and openly with God right now? Some of you have been talking to yourself and to others and and, and Google and Siri and popping your bubble wrap and doing everything you can to navigate what you're going through. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, my challenge for you is that you would begin today urgently, consistently, persistently talking to God. Will you commit yourself to pray, to talk to God? Because I can promise you the more you talk to God about your pit, the more you'll find his comfort and his strength in the midst of the pit. And the less you talk to God about your pit, the less hope and encouragement and strength you'll experience in your pit. Will you commit yourself to this discipline that will become a delight? Now, Father, as we have gathered here in your name, as we set, set our hearts to worship and adore you, I pray that you would help for us to navigate the pit, not by ourselves, not even alone, but that we would navigate the pit by talking to you, that we would cry out to you, the God who delivers. Father, help us experience the joy and the comfort and the peace and the wholeness of life that you've given us through Jesus Christ and by your Spirit. Now be glorified in all that we do and say. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.